Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? The following is an actor portrayal. With Kindly Assisted Living and Memory Care at Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County, you can anticipate more. But don't take our word for it. My dad moved to Kindly and loved it. His apartment was spacious, sunny, and overlooked Parkland. It was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at Kindly. Enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services, too. Visit Kindly at Asbury.org today. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 129 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clegg and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode in store today. And with me, as Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, man? Oh, man, not too much. It's good to be back to talk some baseball. You know, the hot weather here is ridiculous, but it's all good. You know, I went to minor league game last night and even after dark it still felt like it was like 90 degrees it wasn't at that point but oh, it was still pretty blistering but it's all good so it's has it been in the 90s down there yeah pretty much every day today i think was like lower 90s but we've had some upper 90s days and that's uh, it's pretty hot i played golf this afternoon and it was way too hot for that what'd, what'd you shoot i honestly didn't keep score i haven't i haven't played much recently and uh, one of the, keep getting out there to play. Yeah, one one of the guys on the team asked me to come play with them, and so I just went out there and played. Just had a good time. So nice. I need to get back into it though. I've I definitely miss playing as much as I used to. But kids kids kind of change that. <laughs> yeah, I'm I've I've only played actual like an actual round of golf once, and that was oh probably about a decade ago at this point. Got with a guy I used to work with back in my, in my early twenties. But yeah, I played. I used to play a ton of disc golf. Now I get out there maybe you know five, six times a summer, you know, having kids, I, like you said, to kind of change that. But yeah, playing golf, though, I actually I had fun. Like once I figured out what all the clubs were between the driver <laughs> and the putter and what they did and how to use them, like I played a lot better on the back nine. That I remember, I, th- I think I shot like upper 60s on the front nine. And then it was like mid 50s in the back. Nice. I was like, like a good, like 12 strokes. But I almost had a a par on the 18th. It was like 500 and something yards, dog leg to the left, right in the middle. So I drove it out there. Uh, right to the dog leg, and then drove it, kind of went off to the right, chipped to the edge of the green on the third shot, chipped it about five feet past the hole on my fourth shot. So I'm like, all right, this is like mini golf. I hit this a million times, rimmed it out. I'm like, oh, oh. I was so <laughs> upset. I ended up with a bogey, but I was like so pumped. Like, I might get my first yeah, car, but that's awesome. no such luck. But yeah, I, I, I might get out there again. That was that was fun, because it's been a long time. But back to baseball here. But actually, before we do, you're – Weather in the 90s makes me realize why I live in Maine. <laughs> is this this cold weather kid here? I'm like, man, I'm good with it, like low 80s. That's like kind of where it gets. Sometimes we might get 90s a couple of days, but 90s every day would just kill me. So, yeah, it seems <laughs> like Maine's perfect in the summer and Sacramento's perfect in the winter. <laughs> yeah. It, it, so you take the trade off. Yes. We, we go, you have much better winters than we do. So, yeah, you, you, you take that trade off, but. All right, let's get into some baseball now. But before we do, the usual housekeeping. You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I'm at Eric Cross 04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please write and review. Check out our Patreon for extra content from both of us and our YouTube channel for plenty of live prospect video throughout the season. I should actually have some video up early next week on Quinn Priester, who I'm seeing this weekend. 
Nick, I uh, know Nick Gonzalez is hurt. Uh, Henry Davis, Lever Puguero, Matt Gorski, a few other, literally a kind of a loaded double A lineup there for Pittsburgh. So be on the lookout for that. And of course, check out all the other great work we have going on over at Fantrax HQ with multiple fantasy baseball articles coming out every single day. All right, let's get into it. We have a kind of a wide range of topics today, all dynasty focused, of course. Let's start with some of the bigger news and notes here. O'Neill Cruz, let's start with him. Finally getting the call up here. Everyone kind of was hoping for it and ex- kind of expecting it on opening day after we got that little cup of coffee last year, but no such luck. And in the start of the tr- season in AAA, he wasn't doing that hot. You know, in April and May, he was not performing very, very well at all, but really turned it on over the last you know month or so. He really heated up, got the K right down, was hitting for more power, getting the average up. So he gets the call and he's probably you got to assume here to stay as long as he hits fairly well but he's already been flashing all of his great tools the absolute rocket of an arm he has the the power he has so th- there's a lot of excitement in this profile obviously chris but you know also some i won't say red flags but maybe some con- you know some concerns that he is so big bigger strike zone and mlb guys will or arms will exploit that so I'm a little hesitant to, you know, put him as like, you know, a top 50 dynasty guy. But what what are your thoughts on, on Cruz and, and how do you project him moving forward? Yeah, you're right. I think he's a tough one to totally project, but the talent level is definitely there. We've seen it. He can absolutely scorch baseballs, which is obviously we, we've seen that plenty. And, you know, he did that right off the bat coming up and just, you know, demolishing some some baseballs, plenty of hard hit balls there. I think there's going to be plenty of power, and you know he's intriguing considering his size, how well he moves and runs. He got excellent sprint speed as well, so he can be a really fun player. But you're right; I think that strike zone could really get exploited. We'll just have to wait and see. Time will tell there, but there could be an adjustment period. But I think the upside's pretty immense here. Like, you know, you think about where he could end up, and you think about. And, I, and it's even crazy to even like throw this around about like he's got the power speed like upside of like a Jazz Chisholm type, which is pretty crazy to think when you're talking mm-hmm. about six foot seven type guy. But you know that's the kind of upside we're looking at. He's, I think he's got more power than Jazz. Obviously, he probably steals less bases, but somewhere in there is is interesting. You know what kind of average he hits for? I think that's the biggest question mark. If he can keep the strikeouts in check and continue to put a lot of balls into play, then we're probably looking at a really solid fantasy asset. And, you know, he's unique, but I think he can make this profile work. I really do. So Cruz is exciting, and, you know, it's good to see him finally get a shot that he deserved a long time ago. Yes, absolutely deserved this shot. And, yeah, I, I love the the skill set. You, you look at his last two years in the minor leagues, combining this year, and even with the slow start, too, numbers are still really impressive. This year and last year combined 124 games and 548 plate appearances, 26 home runs and 30 steals. Caught nine times, but that's not terrible. He was caught six times this year in 17 attempts on the bases, but this shows you the upside he has. And, you know, back in 2018, he had 14 home runs and 11 steals and 443 plate appearances down in low A. 2019, 8 and 11 and 73 games. He's always had that big. Power speed blend hit 275 career in the minors 341 OBP. I think he could be around a 270 hitter. I wouldn't say you know 280 290 300 or anything like that, but 270 I think feels right for him. He's at 30 plus homer power. I do wonder how much he does run. I think early on in his career, first handful of years, you know 10 to 15 steel guy. I think is definitely within the realm possibility. Maybe he drops down more of like a five to ten steel guy as he ages, gets into his mid to late 20s, but. That's still right there. I said if the average is there, I think he's top 50, maybe you know top 25 type of players. Obviously, very exciting player, and I think he's still kind of underrated, even though he gets a lot of love. But I would say Pittsburgh guys always seem to get underrated, and he, he definitely has the upside to be a huge impact player. But I think there will be some growing pains, and that's something he's probably experienced a lot of being six foot seven, a lot of growing pains over the years. But he, I think he's actually taller than that. I don't even believe six seven. I think he's, a, I think he's, a <laughs> he's huge. Yeah, I think he's six nine. Like you look at him out there, I'm like, that doesn't look right. Like six foot seven guys should not be playing shortstop, but he plays it pretty well. So it'll be fun to see how his uh, season progresses here. Another exciting shortstop prospect got recalled recently as well. 
CJ Abrams with Machado getting hurt, but luckily that Machado injury doesn't look like it's going to be as serious as initially thought. Like you saw, if you watch the replay of that injury, you're like, you're thinking, all right, multiple months, he tore something or a really bad sprain. But now it sounds like he might be back within the you know, next week or so. But for the time being, with him out, they had to move Hashyang Kim over to third base from shortstop. And that opened up the shortstop spot for CJ Abrams, who was playing very well in AAA after, you know, that. He got promoted on opening day, which was really aggressive. He struggled, went back down, hit 314, 367, 507, seven home runs and 10 steals in 30 games in El Paso, but very extreme home road splits. So if you look at those, like El Paso is a offensive haven. He really took advantage of that. So those numbers take him with a grain of salt, but obviously long-term you know, projections and the tools, everything's very exciting for Abrams. So since we talked about Cruz, I guess let's put them against each other here, Chris. You know, let's you know fast forward five years on the road. Who do you think is the better fantasy and dynasty asset, C.J. Abrams or O'Neill Cruz? Still believe in Abrams a little more. I just think that the contact skills are more of a surefire thing versus Cruz. And you know, Abrams upside. Obviously, both have a pretty immense upside, but you know. If the power does come along with Abrams, you're looking at like a Trey Turner light type player, and that's a, a fantasy first rounder. So I think that's you know, pretty crazy talent to bet on there. Not saying he's going to reach that potential, but I'd rather bet on Abrams personally. Yeah, I, I'm there with you. Like, that hit tool does seem a lot safer. I think he's going to be a 280, 290 type of hitter potentially. We'll see. But yeah, 50, even if he's just like a 15 homer guy, 30 plus steals, probably hitting near the top of the order. Like I tweeted out a few days back, you know, imagine him and Asturi Ruiz, the top of that order with their elite speed back to back. And then you, you could have obviously then Tatis and Machado, then put like Hassel fifth or whatever. But yeah, the, the speed is a huge, huge impact. Like it's elite 70 grade speed at least. But yeah, here are the, those home road splits in AAA that I was referencing at home, 134 plate appearances, 333, 384, 569 slash line. Yeah, eight home runs, 10 steals. Uh, on the road, 183, 261, 220, zero home runs, one steal. So, yeah, little little different there, home home of the road. But obviously still very high on Abrams. I still think he's a top 60-ish dynasty player. And where do I have him in my last update? He's probably right around there. Yeah, 58. I still think he's right around there. As I think I, that speed is going to be an absolute asset. And if he can just be 270, 280, I think he can be 15 home runs. Yeah, he's definitely going to be a top 25 type of player. He'll have a lot of run score, probably a guy that hits in the top of the order as well. So very well-rounded offensive talent if that power does continue to come along. Like it kind of showed, he's hinted at it. So we'll see if that continues to progress here. Moving over to the American League, a couple of Tampa Bay promotions here. Josh Lowe and Jonathan Aranda recently got recalled because Tampa Bay, their they're, they're, uh, hitters are dropping like flies they're, Wander was hurt. Margot was hurt. Uh, who's the other one, Chris? Wasn't there a third guy that got hurt for them? Probably. They oh, Brandon Laos banged up. Yeah, it's uh, like the, they're just banged up all over the place. So they needed some reinforcements. So they recalled Josh Lowe for his third or fourth stint. I can't remember at this point. And Jonathan Aranda for his first. Now let's start with Aranda because he's he's the kind of the fresh name here. He's very underrated, I think, because. He's a guy that doesn't have like the flashy tools, the flashy stats, the big name, but he's a little bit older, so kind of people kind of ding him for that. He's twenty, he just turned twenty-four a couple about a month ago, May twenty-third. Actually, exactly a month ago from when we're recording this, but he just keeps continuing to hit it. You know, minor league in three hundred and seventy-five games, he's a career two ninety-four hitter. This year in AAA, three ten, three eighty-six, five twelve slash line. 14 doubles, 11 home runs, three steals in 280 plate appearances, 10% walk rate, 20% strikeout rate. Just as I think he's, you know, potentially an above average hitter with a, you know, average to above average power, like a 275, 20 homer type, maybe he throws in a handful of steals early on in his career. And he can play three different positions. He's played first, second, and third all, like, I think, uh, yes, 15 plus times this year. So that helps him stay in Tampa Bay's lineup. They love that. So, I think he, he could stick, but what are your thoughts on Aranda, Chris? You're right. I think he's really underrated. I think the I think he really developed last year and he really popped off and people 
I will say people would call it on, but I don't think to the extent that they should have. And he made some pretty tangible changes in that profile. It seems during the pandemic where he began to lift the ball a little more, as you see his ground ball rate just trend downward throughout his career. It's still fairly high right now at 45%, but he's got healthy line drive and fly ball numbers too. It's going to help him post a solid average. And I think the contact skills are certainly there, probably like average game power at best, but you know, we are looking at a very intriguing profile, in my opinion, where he could stick in the lineup long term just because of the contact skills, in my opinion. Yeah, he you know, he does. He's not going to strike out a ton. He's going to walk a decent bit. He's gonna, so he's going to be on base. And that's really underrated. And I think the Rays like that. It'll be interesting to see, like, you know, they love platooning guys. He is a, a lefty bat. So what comes of it? I don't really know. It'll be interesting to see what the Rays do with them because the Rays are interesting to say the least but aranda is a really good bat and a good profile in my opinion yeah he's very underrated i had him ranked it was 90th in my last top 100 update so i think definitely top 100 guy with the the bat that he has you know i think long term there might not be that big of a gap between him and like a jose miranda i think they could be pretty similar guys long term both very good with the bat maybe not offering much in terms of steals but yeah very solid bat so i think he could be a a kind of one of those guys that really surprises and continues to exceed expectations there and moving back over to uh, josh Lowe here he's really started to look better you know in triple a when he got sent back down in may he was just striking out way too much he had 38 strikeouts in 93 plate appearances in may which is a 40.9 percent clip but still hit 282 333 529 four home runs nine doubles and two steals so i think that kind of got overlooked a little bit but what really impressed me was in may i should be in june in 18 games in June, only 18 strikeouts and 80 plate appearances, which is a 22.5% mark. Much better, 284, 400, 478 line in June, two home runs and four steals. So on the year, seven home runs and seven steals and 240 plate appearances. Are you still in on low, kind of like as early, as high as you were back before he's had all the struggles at the major league level, Chris? And you know, I'm thinking he's kind of a good buy low. Maybe the average is never great because he's always have a – a little bit of a strikeout issue, but that power speed is still there. So I think he's a solid buy low right now in Dynasty. I think he is. And maybe he's a 240 to 250 hitter in the major leagues, but like you look at in today's environment and that'll play, especially yeah, that, that's not speed. too bad anymore. <laughs> no, I, you're right. That power speed is is so good that any OBP skills are good. I think I think he can get a little passive from time to time, which does hurt him with the strikeouts, but he's gonna be in, on base with a high clip, which does enable him to steal more bags and I think he's definitely a good enough runner to steal plenty of bases for the foreseeable future, which is, you know, like Cruz. I mean, he's not as big as Cruz, obviously, but he's still a bigger framed guy and he he moves really well. So I think for the early parts of his career, he's going to run and steal bases. And then you got the power as well. And he's certainly capable of tapping into it. We haven't seen it to the full extent this year, I don't think, but it's certainly in there. And you know, you mentioned even with all his struggles in, in AAA this year, he hit 299 with a 382 OBP. So still really solid numbers, and I do. I think that he's a good buy low in Dynasty. I'd, I'd look to see what you could go out and pay for him because I think that his value may be down maybe as low as it gets. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I, I've always been a big low guy. I saw him out in the Arizona Fall League back in 2019. He was, he was very impressive out there. So yeah, like I said, average probably won't be great, but OBP will be pretty solid. And he's got 20, 25 homer power and 25 steel wheels, and he's been very efficient on the base paths as well, which is always good to see. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still in on Law. I think he's a great buy low in Dynasty right now. But let's just finish off. I know we didn't have him on the uh, the agenda here, but let's just finish off this uh, young Tampa Bay trio here. Vidal Brujan still kind of struggling a bit. Have you soured at all on Brujan, Chris? I was pretty out before the year. I just... I'm afraid he's pretty one-dimensional, and I I feel like that just kind of comes to fruition a little more, you know, every time I see him. And I mean, obviously, you talk about a guy that has a good feel to hit and blazing speed, so that's intriguing. And he did get some power last year, but we really haven't seen it at all this year. I mean, he has just two home runs on the season for between AAA and the majors, so I, I don't know what kind of game power he actually gets to which is my biggest concern. So I'm I'm pretty soured on him. And even though the contact skills are good, and maybe that does prevail in the long term, hit the ball on the ground too much, and 
other than the contact and, you know, he's going to run when he's on base. Like I'm just concerned that he doesn't provide a ton for fantasy, which does hurt his value. Yeah. I'm kind of there with you. I mean, look at, obviously it's a very small sample size, but he, he has five steals and it should be three steals so far in the major leagues in 46 games. So he's not even running that much, but it also doesn't help that he has a career 187 OBP hard to steal bases when you're not running not on base, but he's been caught five times. He actually leads the league in caught stealing this year, which is mm-hmm. as a part-time player is not good, but also mm-hmm. kind of impressive, you know, <laughs> but anyway, so yes, he stole two bags this year, caught five times, quick math, two and seven. That's what 28 point, whatever, 6% or something like that. So that's not good. He showed better efficiency in the minor leagues, but he was always a guy that did get caught a little more than you probably would have thought he would with his speed. And he's got elite speed. Like that's, I don't think anybody can question that. Like I saw him again, 2019 out there in the fall league. And I saw him hit a triple off the top of the wall in right field. And he went around the base. I think he got to third on, was it, 10.6 seconds or so? It was elite. So could be a 40 steal guy, but the bat I'm starting to really question. I know it's still early, like I said, but he's definitely one. Like, I'm still buy low on Josh Lowe, but I don't know. I guess that the price is low enough on Bruhan, maybe, but I'm less confident in Bruhan than I am in Jaron Durant at this point. So, yeah, I just thought about Bruhan again because I think he graduated from prospect status within the last week or so, so I just took him off my rankings. But, yeah, it's not been a good showing here at the Major League level. Sticking in the American League East, though, going up to my Boston Red Sox, Jaron Duran's looked pretty impressive here this year. He's been in the leadoff spot. looks like Alex Cora is trusting him, and I think we kind of need a a long-term leadoff guy. So hopefully Duran can be that. But in AAA this year, Kind of getting back to the Duran that made him, you know, a top, you know, 100 prospect a couple years ago before he tried to sell out for power. This year in 198 plate appearances in AAA Worcester, 305, 379, 531 slash. So he's still hitting for power, but 12 doubles, five triples, six home runs, 11 steals, already been caught twice. And then since coming back up to Boston and 41 plate appearances, 297, 366, 487, with three doubles, two triples, no home runs, but two steals so far. Kind of. Getting this, you know, he's settling in, getting his, his feet underneath him here in that leadoff spot. So, Chris, where are you at on on Duran? I think it looks like he's, like I said, he's, it looks like he's getting back to what made him very attractive and fit for fantasy purposes. So, I'm kind of buying back in after I was kind of had one foot out the door on him. Yeah, he's interesting too. Like he's, you know, it's kind of been up and down ride with him the last two years at least. But I mean, this year overall has been pretty impressive i mean the contact skills have looked good he's made a lot of zone contact in a small sample even in triple a this year the numbers look good too maybe he's not the maybe the power really didn't blossom like we thought last year but i think there's enough power in the profile to at least be an intriguing fantasy asset and obviously we know he's got the speed i think he's got the contact skills and a good feel to hit as well so yeah, I mean, he's he's certainly been impressive, and I, I'm kind of back in. And like I mentioned, it's kind of been a roller coaster, like up and down, up and down type thing right? with him. But yeah, I'm not like all in like I was at one point when he was just blasting home runs last year, but I do think he's a, a solid fantasy asset. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm there with you. I think he can be you know, maybe a back-end top 100 fantasy guy. I think he can settle in that range, you know, be 12 to 15 home runs, you know, maybe 20, low to mid-20 steals, you know, a solid average, good amount of run scored. So, yeah, that'll definitely play. And if he settles in as a leadoff hitter for Boston, I mean, right now, obviously, there's they have the big three behind him. Obviously, they have Trevor Story as well. Who knows how much longer Bogarts or Devers are here, hopefully long-term. We'll see. But uh, could have a, uh, Boston always has a really good lineup. So if he settles in as a leadoff guy or number two guy or whatever, that definitely could be a huge boon. I think he could be a 100-run guy, you know, best-case scenario. So, yeah, definitely, uh, I think he could be a nice little – five-category guy, back back 100 fantasy guy. So, yeah, I'm definitely buying back in for sure. Moving over to the other team with Sox in their name, a couple guys here for the Chicago White Sox we want to talk about. First, Andrew Vaughn has been very quietly very good. I'm surprised he's not giving more love than he does. Maybe it's because Tony LaRusso wants to squash all the hype around Andrew Vaughn. Who knows? But look at his season stat line here. He's seeing 333 through 212 plate appearances with a 382 OBP, 505 slugging, you know, only seven home runs, 31 steals. So that's not like, you know, doesn't wow you, doesn't jump off the page. But a lot of the metrics are still very good. 
91 mile an hour average exit velocity, 48.8 hard hit rate, 16% K rates, the whiff rates, yeah, 17.4% whiff rate, 92.4 zone contact. So he's proven to be a very good, you know, hitter for average. Contact skills are there. You know, whiff rate's super low. K rate's really low. I think there's more power, especially when it gets, you know, the wind gets blown out there in, in Chicago, then the, you know, the weather heats up as it has here in June. I think he's still like a 25 homer guy with maybe 280 to 300 average. So I think he's top 50 ish right now. Where did I have him in my update? So yeah, I put him 48. So yeah, I think he's top 50 now. I prefer him to Torque. I prefer him to Kirilov right now, who I still like. But yeah, I think he's just very safe and very underrated. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And you mentioned the power. I was curious. I looked at his spray chart. He's got a lot of balls to the warning track, too. You mentioned the home runs, yeah. but he's got at least one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine balls to the warning track so far this year. So I think the power is is there and you know, hitting as well as he is like hard to argue that I think top 50 is pretty fair. And the OBP aspect is good too, as always. And I, I'm pretty in on him. I, it does seem like he's kind of quiet. Like I wonder if you can go out and get him still semi affordably, which yeah. may be crazy, but like maybe his value is not called up to where his his perceived value may not be where his actual value is. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Just because he, he's not the guy that he's not the super sexy name. There's not the huge, you know, you know, power, but he has good power. He's great, you know, getting on base, like you mentioned, and the contact and the approach is all very good. He's a very safe guy. Maybe he's not, you know, top 25 fantasy guy ever, but a guy that could be just an annual top 50 guy, like a third round, fourth round talent. I think that's definitely possible. And so, Go out and get Andrew Vaughn if you can get him right now. Say so he's very good and very underrated. And then the other guy here that just got called up after Danny Mendick, I think we he tore his ACL. Is that right? That sounds he, right. Yeah, ACL tear. That's right. So and he was having a quietly a good little season there, but he's out. And Lennon Sosa gets called up from Double A, which is I think is it the fifth or sixth guy to get called up from straight from Double A this year. But he was performing very well in Double A. One of the bigger breakout guys this year in the minors. 331, 384, 549 slash line in AA Birmingham and 289 plate appearances with 10 doubles and 14 home runs. No steal, but steals, but, you know, solid approach, hitting for a lot of average, a little bit of pop. I, I'm not like, super high on him, but he's at least intriguing, Chris. I think so. I mean, maybe there's going to be some struggles, you know, right off the bat, which is probably to be expected. I mean, big jump for him, especially as a, a pop-up type guy, but – I think he's intriguing. There is a little chase in the swing, like he likes to to chase, but he doesn't miss often in the zone. Like his end zone contact is really good, and I think there is some some power there as well that's really come out this year, which is great to see. And another one, another type player who I think made some changes during the pandemic and produced good numbers last year, but really just didn't get the love that he deserved and then this year kind of took it even to the next level so my expectations aren't high for him you know with the big league club but i do think he's still a solid player and i think the profile is intriguing long term i mean he's cut the strikeout rate pretty significantly this year and also upped his walk rate in the process so you know i'm i'm at least intrigued by what he's doing and think that you know we're looking at at least a top 100 prospect at this point yeah, I think he definitely could be up in that range as well. So very in intrigued to see how he does here. I, I don't know how much he's going to play. It uh, doesn't sound like LaRusso is really committing to him as like the every everyday guy there, but definitely very intriguing. And, you know, he said very good season down there in AA Birmingham. Maybe it's just a short-term thing. Maybe they go out and get another, you know, middle infielder to help out. But so maybe he's back down in AA or AAA here before too long. But definitely a very intriguing bat, that's for sure. Last name here before we hit the break. Let's go down to Atlanta and a guy that just been, has not stopped hitting for the last two months after a terrible start, which afforded me to pick him up after somebody dropped him in my home keeper league. Thank you. So I've been reaping those rewards ever since. Dansby the Mansby. I'm trying to get that nickname going. <laughs> Dansby the Mansby Swanson. Just had two more home runs today, up to 12 home runs and 11 steals on the year with 47 runs and 41 RBI. With a 302, 368, 500 slash line. So he's on pace for, you know, pushing 30, 30, upper, upper 20s home runs, upper 20 steals. 
you know, over 100 RBI and run. Like, he's on pace for a very, very good year. And I still don't think he's getting as much love as he should with how he's performing lately. And, yeah, he's he's always been aggressive. You know, the whiff rate's a little bit higher than you'd want. K rate's always to be at that 25, 26, 27% range. But having maybe the best year of his career with his quality of contact metrics, 12.1% barrel rate, 46.2 hard hit rate, 493 X Wobicon, all those are career highs for him. And a lot of the other metrics are pretty much in line with previous years. The one red flag I do see, like he mashes fastballs. You know, 356 average on fastballs, 638 slug. And all of his home runs this year have been on fastballs. 202 against breaking balls, 240 against off speed with higher whiff rates. I mean, that's the one thing I can nitpick. But man, Chris, Dansby Swanson has been very impressive. So in terms of dynasty, where do you have him now? I, I don't think I was even, I don't think I put him high enough. Be honest with you, mm-hmm. in my last update, like where did I put him? 81. Yeah, I should have put him higher. He was 127 last update, moved him up to 81. Probably should have gone higher because I think I actually do like him a little bit more than Seeger, who I had as the next shortstop above him. But where do you have Swanson here? And do you believe this little power speed kind of surge he's shown this year can be maintained moving forward? Yeah, because we've seen that last year. I mean, he's definitely always shown the power speed upside, and we saw it in 2020. And honestly, we saw it in 2019 before he got injured. Like pre-All-Star break injury, Swanson hit all 17 home runs before the All-Star break. And then we saw good power in 2020. We saw 27 home runs last year. And then this year, obviously, as you mentioned, 12 home runs, 11 steals. He's at a career high stolen bases, which is interesting. But I don't think that means he's not going to run. I mean, he's he's been doing it consistently. He has five stolen bases over the last month he has two this week i don't really see him slowing down you know he he's on base he's gonna get the chance to run and that's really the biggest thing he's just on base so much more which has been a huge thing for him and you mentioned he's just been incredible since i think it was since like april 19th like he yeah just, it was right around that third week of april yeah he just turned it on and hasn't looked back i mean his average was like 160 maybe even worse before then. But like since then, it's just obnoxious, like how good he's been. And it's hard to argue when you've gotten now over two months of these kind of results. And we know the power speed is there because we've seen it in the past. And so I, I can't argue against that. So I'm, I'm all in at this point. It's, you can't ignore what he's doing. I mean, tearing the cover off the ball and, I don't know. I mean, he's looking like an MVP caliber season right now, which is is kind of crazy to think. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I just I just moved him up when you when you were talking. I was looking at my list, so I, I fully meant I ranked him too low. So I just made the update on the fly, moved him up to sixty overall. I think that's much better. I feel better about that than eighty one. So yeah, Swanson has been absolutely dominant, and he's he's twenty eight years old, so in the prime of his career, eighty fourth percentile sprint speed this year. So the quality of contact is at a career best rate. So yeah, I'm definitely buying him. Maybe it doesn't go 30, 30, but you know, maybe 25, 20 with, you know, hundred and a hundred, you know, and still maybe, maybe not 300 average. I don't know if that's maintainable with his approach, but 280, I think is definitely possible with him. So yeah, definitely all in on Danby right now. He's been absolutely awesome. Let's go ahead and hit a quick break. We'll come back on the other side and get into some overrated players that have been falling down rankings, but maybe should be you know falling further in the public's uh, eye. So we'll talk about those guys when we come back. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Love the playoffs. Anything can happen. But the best part? It's like bonus football. And bonus football means betting bonuses with Gambit DC. For a limited time, get up to a 57% multi-sport parlay boost on the Gambit DC app, online, or at any Gambit DC retail location throughout the district. It's the most exciting time to be a fan. So make your play and get the home field advantage with Gambit DC. Limited time offer, terms and conditions apply. Please bet responsibly. All right, welcome back from the break. We have eight names we're going to talk about here in this segment to round out the show. Eight guys that are overvalued and just need to have their rankings dropped a ton right now. So let's start with a guy that 
almost sparked a one episode five tool podcast reunion after we got into a, a debate about him last night. Of course, my former podcast co-host and good buddies, Jake Devereaux and Jesse Roche, Carlos Correa. Let's start with him. All right, I get like everyone loves Carlos Correa. He's a great real life player. He's a, you know get that he's a leader. He's got the defense. He's a great real life player. He's an all star, absolutely. But for fantasy, I think he's incredibly overrated. And this got sparked by there's a mid season dynasty mock draft that Nathan Longfield, of course, dynasty one stop, has, has been putting on. And Correa was taken by Jake Devereaux. I think it was pick like 71, 72, 73, something like that. I made a comment that he's overrated. I moved him outside of my top 100, actually, this past update to 102 overall. He's barely ahead of Willie Adames and Royce Lewis. So he probably would have been even lower if you know Royce Lewis didn't get hurt. But the, the metrics are good. Like Underlying metrics are good. But similar with Corey Seager, those don't always translate in to surface stats. Right? We've we seen it the other way. Some guys have great surface stats, like Lindor. For example, he's always been a guy that accumulates, you know, a lot of home runs and steals, but like at Savant, and it's like, yeah, it's not that impressive. But, you know, Correa, there's a lot of red there, exit velocity, hard hit rate. The approach has been pretty solid as well, though, down a little bit this year. But overall, he's, he's actually up to 303 this year, but seven home runs and 213 plate appearances. And that 303 has really been caused by a real hot stretch here over the last week or so. But he doesn't run anymore. The durability is not there. When he's on the field, he could be top 50, top 60, top 70, sure. But at this point, I'm not going to pay up for, you know, the inconsistent production. He's only, a, I think it was a 268 career hitter over the last four years with, a, you know, about a 25 homer pace. Again, good. I'm not saying he's bad, but people still kind of think he's top 50 or so. And I just don't see it. Maybe if he's ran a bit and wasn't hurt all the time, he has two years over 110 games. In his seven-year, eight-year career, excuse me, I don't know. This is a lot there. I just don't want to, you know, pay the price again. He's good, but I think he's very overvalued. What are your thoughts, Chris? Yeah, I was surprised when I saw the numbers. Honestly, like I, I didn't expect him to pee at three hundred three. I know he had three hits today as we're recording this that jumped that average from two ninety three up to three hundred three. But he's been pretty solid. You're right. He's had a hot stretch, but it's been since May first, three twenty five. You're right. The power. I don't really know it hasn't translated completely looking at his numbers i mean all the exit velocities and hard hit numbers are even barrels are are there no doubt about that but seven home runs so you know is he a, a 20 25 home run bat like maybe i mean is he's not in the best hitters environment right now which you know, maybe that's suppressed a little bit of his power but yeah. and that's just part of the game he he is in that environment so he, he's a 20 to 25 home run type. The average will be interesting to see if it sustains because you look and, you know, this is like kind of who we thought that he could be at the beginning of his career when he came up. And then he just never really was like, he always settled in that like 270 to two really just 270 range pretty consistently for batting average purposes. So I'll be curious to see if the, if he can hold near 300, if he does this, continued i'll be interested to see like where his dynasty stock does sit at the end of the season because he he could be hard to value at that point i mean we're looking at a 27 year old who kind of i mean we always talk about like that's kind of the, the prime years of your career so great debuts so young at 20 it's crazy to think like he's been around for quite some time now he's yeah. still just 27 so i if he was with a different team i think he'd be more valuable you know, the twins have been kind of meh. And honestly, like it's just the well, I say they're man, they're leading the division, but I don't know. But no, they they've been meh. That's very accurate. It's yeah. just everyone else, like Chicago's underperformed. Yeah. And then the other three, Detroit, Kansas City, and Cleveland just aren't that good right now. So that's fair. Yeah. The division as a whole is pretty and Cleveland's I don't think good, but they're still thirty six and twenty nine somehow. So that just kind of shows Wait, the division. They're they're what now? They are thirty six and twenty nine. <laughs> oh no, they're not. How they have, they have it's Joe Ram and a bunch of double A hitters and they're that's, that's the division, man. I mean, the, the Royals are 25 and 43, the Tigers are 26 and 43, the Sox are under 500. Just man, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry if all the Cleveland Guardians fans, I just, man, I didn't think they were good. Like, obviously, Joe Ram is you know, probably still maybe the most underrated player in baseball. I just think I talked about it enough, but 
you know, Quan has not been great after his hot start. I mean, Rosario has heated up a little bit. You know, they have some like nice little guys like that you fill the lineup with, but you know, Naylor, Oscar Gonzalez, Andres Jimenez, but man, none of these guys where you're like, oh man, that's a great lineup. It's Joe Ram and then you know, a bunch of like role players, kind of. Yeah, w- with Correa, I'm interested. I I could see like he's like peak performance trying to opt, maybe opt out and get a long term deal. Like that wouldn't surprise me if you know. I mean. I know he was a contract year last year and it was a solid year, but it, it netted him a, a three-year deal with, with opt-outs in, in Minnesota of all places. So I wouldn't be surprised we see him at least attempt to continue the success to try and opt out and get that long-term deal he was looking for last year. But yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's tough to value him. I was honestly surprised to see his batting average at 303. I haven't paid yeah. him that close of attention, obviously, but I'll be curious if that's because he's in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. if, he in, if he was in Houston, people would would know. But that's true. Yeah, and I was in his home road splits. Like actually, were pretty similar. But I do wonder, you know, leaving that hitter's haven, especially for for right-handed bats or the, the short, you know, the Crawford boxes out there and lefts where. I think, I think they're it's almost it's almost a left field equivalent of you know the right field porch at Yankee Stadium, but. Yeah, I think if he was still in Houston or, you know, if, if he goes like the Yankees or something like that or the Dodgers, he'll probably go to a big market team. I kind of assume, hopefully not Boston. I really hope mm-hmm. we don't, you know, shell out 300 plus million dollars for a guy that can't stay healthy. But that's the thing. Like if he was still running at all, I would feel a lot better about that. But you look at the profile. Like, all right. Maybe he can be 280 heel hitter. That's, you know, I think that's plausible. 20, you know, 25 home runs. That's plausible. But 280, 25, you know, yeah, it's top 100. Sure. But. That's why I put him outside my top 100 because he could do that. He could be top 60, top 70, but then you factor in all the time he's missed. Like I said, he's only had two seasons above 110 games. That was in 2016 and 2021. So he had the last year, but he still missed you know 14 games last year. To me, last year is the peak of what we can expect, and he was barely top 50 last year. I think he was 49th on the Rasball player radar or something like that. So peak top 50, but there's too many red flags. And yeah, so I just, I just don't, I don't want to, again, I'm not saying he's bad, but I don't, I think his perceived value is higher than his actual value. Kind of opposite of what we said about Andrew Vaughn. So I don't know. That's, that's my piece on Carlos Correa <laughs> moving over to his former teammate still in Houston, Alex Bregman. He's just, I don't know. He hasn't been good for a few years now. Like when's the last thing he was really good. 2019. 18 and 19 were his two huge years, 286, 31, 103, 10 steals in 2018, 296, 41, 112 with five steals in 2019 at a 423 OBP, 592 slug that year. You know, I think he finished like top, was it top three or top five in MVP voting that year. But since then, he's been, he's been dinged up and just not the same. 242, 270, 235. He has a total of 27 home runs. In quick math here, that's 109 and 200 games on the dot. So he's not running anymore. That's not an aspect of his game, kind of like Correa. Again, the, the, the metrics, you look at his you know underlying metrics here, and they haven't really changed a ton. He's always been kind of a mediocre quality of contact guy. You know, EV around 89, bill rate around like 5 6 7%, hard hit rate in the, in the mid-30s, good, you know, good approach. Like this year he has more walks and strikeouts, but – that doesn't translate into fantasy success. Like he's not running anymore. Doesn't really translate into a lot of home runs. He's nine home runs and 281 plate appearances this year, 235, 352, 410 line. Again, he's not terrible. He's not bad, but I think he's just, again, perceived value higher than the actual value here. Yeah. And he was never going to repeat that 41 home run season. I think that really got a lot of people hype on him. And you mentioned like everything's been consistent. Like the contact rates have been consistent throughout his career. The zone contact's been consistent throughout his career. The O swing's been really consistent. Really, the only outlier in his career was ground ball rate. And that was last year at 40.8%. But this year we're back down at 33.3, which is right in line with his career. And then you look and the home run to fly ball was just exceptionally high that 2019 season. Other than that, he's never posted numbers like that. And you mentioned it's kind of surprising that he's never had a season where he had an average exit velocity of 90 miles an hour. This year's his career high average exit velocity actually at 89.7. His max, his hardest hit ball in his career is 107.6. So he doesn't really impact the ball that well. So what he does well is not strike out a ton and he walks at a high clip. 
So he's going to have a decent OBP, puts a lot of balls into play. But overall, it's just kind of a meh profile. I mean, he does get a boost in OBP just because he walks at such a high clip. But, you know, other than that, like he's not bringing a ton to the table. And I think we're looking at maybe 20 to 25 home run tops, but without the average. So, like, you know, at least Correa is providing better batting average that, that Bregman is not even if the power output is similar. I mean, Correa is obviously hitting the ball much harder than Bregman. So Bregman, to me, man, even in OBP, like I'm struggling where to value him. I know his OBP is a, a huge boost to his value, but like he's still almost outside of my top 100, and maybe he deserves to be. So that's that's kind of the internal struggle that I'm having right now. Yeah, I'm kind of there with you. And obviously, mine are more average focused, so he gets even digged even further. So where do they put him last update? 96 overall, right between Pablo Lopez and Jonathan India. So not too far, only six spots ahead of his buddy, Carlos Correa. Like I said, like the approach is great. Like I said, he has more walks than Ks. He's had a walk rate above 10% each of the last five years. K rate below 16% each of the last six years. The zone contact rate. Let me go back down to that part here to the page. Where was it right there? He's had a... Zone contact rate above 90% each of the last five years, 90.5 this year. Whiff rate below 17% each of the last six years. So, yeah, the approach is great. Probably should mean, you know, the average needs to come up a bit. The average can absolutely positively regress up to like 270, 280. But I don't know. Again, he's a guy that is good, but not great. I think he's he's overvalued. Even in OBP, obviously should be a good 25, 30 spots higher in OBP rankings, average rankings. But Again, just the mediocre quality of contact rates. Like 7.6% barrel rate is his career high. And that was back in 2018. Even in 2019, you know, you don't see many 40 home run seasons with a 4.8% barrel rate. He had 23 barrels the entire year and 41 home runs. Go figure. Like, that just doesn't doesn't add up. So yeah. even, even the XBAs haven't been that great. Like XBAs for his career is like 264. So yeah, he's he's just a good, not great player that gets overvalued. I think he, he's, his ranking needs to come down from where where it's been. Moving into the AL, well, back to the AL Central. A couple names here. One younger, still a rookie, so maybe we're being a little bit harsh, but I I'll, I'll say I was going to put him on the list. So don't come at Chris, come at me if you want to, you know, bitch about this to me. But Torkelson, I am starting to sour on, on Spencer Torkelson. A bit. I, I mentioned, you know, before the year, we talked about him obviously a lot in the offseason that I was kind of questioning how much average he'd hit for. You see, like, as he climbed the ladder, the average was going down. And that's all, not always indicative of, of what the average would look like in the major leagues. But I was wondering, if, like, is he more of like a 250 guy than a 280 guy? And so far, he's really struggled in the major leagues 191, 282, 291 OB slash line, 291 slug. Uh, eight doubles, four home runs in 63 games, 227 plate appearances. So like, he, he's still walking over 10% of the time. The K rate's not super high, but I just, I know, 250 and 30. I think that's where he's at, which again is good. That's top 100, but I've moved him to the back end of my top 100 right now. So I'd much rather have Vaughn. I think I prefer Kirilov to Torque, or at least it's very close for me. I don't know. This isn't, I don't see him being the next like huge stud first baseman that we kind of, well, a lot of us thought he could be, and you know, myself included. I thought that at one point in time as well. But again, he's good. He's a top ten first baseman long term, but more so in the back end. But I don't know where are you at on, on Torque now, Chris. Well, I mean, he's a tough one. We're talking about a twenty two year old, obviously in his debut season. But I I do think it is worth noting that you look and obviously last year he debuted in high A, tore it up. He didn't stay long. Hit five home runs. Hit three twelve, four forty OBP. And the average just kind of trended downward after that. You look in double A, hit 263, 14 home runs, very solid. Then he went to triple A last year and he hit 238, 11 home runs and 177 plate appearances. And this year the average has dropped even more. The contact skills are there. Like that really hasn't changed much at all. He, he is striking out more in the majors, which shouldn't be a shock for a 22 year old you know, making his debut, but he's still at 25%. So I, I struggle what to to make of him exactly. It I was concerned last year as I kind of watched him progress, and he had his moments where he just looked really excellent. And you know, I, the power I think it'll come. I'm not 
particularly worry about him only at four home runs right now. Again, first taste of the big leagues, but he's getting exploited in a lot of ways. And he's seen, you know, he's seen plenty of fastballs and he's struggling to hit them, which I think is concerning. Yeah. When, when you're hitting sub 200 against fastballs like that, that's a concern. So he's got to catch up to major league velocity. I think we see improvement, but as you mentioned, like where does the average settle in at? And I guess that's the biggest question mark in the profile. Like, you know, when he's hitting, he can get to the power, but where, where does it settle? And and that's what I don't know. Like that's where, that's my internal struggle right now is I just, I don't know long-term what it looks like, but I think you're right. I think he's done enough to stay in the top 100, but I think you got to talk like back in top 100 at this point for dynasty value with obviously the chance to, to move up, but he just hasn't shown enough for me to say like, Oh, he's a top 50 dynasty asset right now. Yeah, totally agree there. Like I said, I think he's still going to be good. I'm not saying he's not, but I think it's more so in the good category and not great. Like a lot of us thought he could, like, I don't see him getting up near, you know, Pete Alonzo, Matt Olson levels. I just don't think that's in there, but you know, maybe like I said, 80 to a hundred rank guy, maybe he can move up a little bit, but, Still 250 and 30 is good. So I think now is actually, you know, despite saying all this, I think it's a good time to buy low on him in Dynasty Leagues. But I just wouldn't expect him to be, you know, top 25 you know, Dynasty player. I, I just don't see that in the profile. All right. Moving over to another, th- uh, another corner infielder here, Chris Bryant. You know, I've, I've always been a big Chris Bryant guy. You know, I was. You know, that, I think that was my first, you know, free the prospect thing was back when, you know, this is before I was even on Twitter. Like I was, you know, really calling for him. I was upset. One of those people that was upset with him being held back by the Cubs way back in the day. But he is just always dinged up now. That's the thing. Like, when he's on the field, the stats are okay. Not great, but okay. But that's the thing. Like, I, he's not top 100 for me anymore because you look at the last few years, he's kind of settled in as like a 260, 270 hitter again. Okay. But again, he just can't stay on the field. He's only played over a, he's had 144 games last year, 2020. He played 34 of the 60 games in that season, 147 in 2019, 102 in 2018. And then before that, he was over 150 the first three years of his career. But so it's not like he's missed huge amounts of time, but I feel like he's always dinged up always playing through something. It's always, it's various, like one thing, it's like shoulder and like a hip and, you know, lower, like a calf. It's like, there's always something he's playing through that kind of holds him back. And even when he's on the field again, good, but not great production. The metrics are kind of man. You know, he's, he walks a decent amount. He's keeping the K rate in check the last couple of years, which is good, but you know, barrel rates have always been good, but not great. Hard hit rate is only been above 35% once in the last five years. So it's almost like, you know, again, like the Bregman thing where it's just the numbers are just don't add up to where he's being valued at. And this year he's been terrible. He's on zero home runs and 73 play appearances. He's hurt again. All those things kind of add up. He's not getting any younger. He's 30 years old now. So I just don't see top 100 from him. But I don't know, where are you at on him, Chris? Yeah, I mean, obviously the move to Colorado was a boost for his value, but doesn't matter if he can't stay on the field. Exactly. And you're, you're right. He It's not like he's not played but i think he's played a lot of games injured and i think that's really had an effect on him and you just have to wonder like how much this is lingering around i mean shoulder issues then back issues this year i know he's on rehab right now in triple a but you know it was kind of discouraging at least what we saw early on in the season we thought that course field chris bryant would be even better and yeah we just hadn't really seen it so you know, it is a boost for his batting average, I guess, when he's playing. But, like, where's the power? And who knows now? A back injury? Like, that doesn't really bode well for that. So, you know, you have to wonder if the injuries just kind of linger with him. And you look, and you could tell it was bothering him, obviously, because the elevated ground ball, right? Just the inability to lift the ball. And that's what we saw early on from him. So, I'm curious what we get from him when he comes back. But... You're right. I mean, right now, I don't think what we've seen warrants top 100. Yeah, I, I just can't do it anymore. I said, I've always liked Chris Bryant. He's just like a very likable guy, like guy you can go have a beer with, go hang out with. It looks like a fun dude, like you could be friends with. But yeah, I moved him down to 126 this past update, and he's probably going to fall even further if he can't. Like I said, he's, he's over on the wrong side of 30 now. So what makes anyone think that all these 
these you know dings and and stuff that are going to be improved upon. He could all of a sudden get back to 150 game a year guy. I just don't see it. So yeah, he's a guy that I'm definitely fading pretty hard right now. Moving over to over to my Boston Red Sox here, Alex Verdugo. I think everyone wanted him to be something, especially here in Boston, because obviously he was the main piece in the Mookie Betts return. So obviously a lot of pressure on him. And he's one of those guys where he's a he's a good real life player. You know, he's he's the, he's a leader in the clubhouse. Everything you hear about him out of Boston is very, very positive. The teammates love him, you know, management loves him, et cetera, et cetera. He's decent on the field, but for fantasy, I think he's one of the most overrated players in the game. Like, look at this year, 247, 288, 352 slash line, four home runs, no steals, 35 RBI, and 30 runs scored. And really, the reason why he's even close to 100 RBI pace right now, or like a 90 RBI pace, is because he's been hitting, you know, fifth, sixth in that range, which is right behind Rafael Devers, Judy Martinez, and Xander Bogarts, who are all hitting like 330 to 340 right now and getting on base at a really high clip. So that's the only reason why he has that many RBI. I'll 100% say that. His profile just doesn't fit Fenway very well. Like All these kind of middle-of-the-road left-handed power bats, like we start with Ben Benintendi, who I think has more power than Verdugo does, really get limited by by Fenway Park. There's that misconception that, oh, look, look at the right field pole. It's 302 feet. Yes, it is. But you got to wrap it around there. Easier said than done. The bullpens are 380. Like, go look at, at Verdugo's spray chart. So you get the you know the outline of Fenway. Look how deep that right field is. It's it's very deep. It's one of the deepest in the game. So yeah, Poppy could do it, but Verdugo not so much. So you know he doesn't really run that much. He not doesn't have a lot of power. It's like, again mediocre power. Great approach doesn't strike out a ton, and but the OBP hasn't been there this year either. This is not a lot where I'm like, ooh, let's go let's go trade for Verdugo in Dynasty. I don't know. I just don't like the profile. I really thought he had made a change early on in the season to lift the ball more, and he was hitting the ball harder, but that really hasn't stuck at all. He's been plagued by a pretty low BABIP, which you know could explain the lower batting average, but even you, know, you still get up to closer to his career 282 average. If he does that rest of season, like that doesn't necessarily mean much when he can't hit for much power. And last year was a career-high 13 home runs. I just wonder, like, where does he sit? Like, is he just going to be a 10 to 15 home run guy most of his career? And if so, that there's just not a lot of value in that, especially when he's not running at all. The contact skills are, are most certainly there. I mean, it's we're looking at a career best contact and zone contact rate right now. Sorry, I misquoted. He actually had a, a slightly higher zone contact in 2019, but still at 93% right now. Zone contact for the season. He is lifting the ball more, hitting more fly balls, but his home run to fly ball rate is just 5.2%. And nothing has changed. You know, as, as the home runs have increased, we really haven't seen him get to more home run power. I mean, when's the last time he hit a home run? Like, I, he, okay, he hit one June 15th, but that's his only home run in May, since May, which is nuts. Yeah, he's, it's from, not been great. From May 1st to now, he has one home run. It was on June the 15th. So, he was getting that power early, and that's when I really thought he had made a conscious change because we were seeing more fly balls, and he was hitting the ball a little harder. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly concerning, but he kind of is what he is. I think you look at what he did last year. I think that's absolute best-case scenario. You know, he could. I think he can get the average back up, sure. And I think he, you know, he could be a 280 guy again. We'll see. But last year, look at outside of the 289 average he had, 13 home runs, 63 RBIs, 6 steals, 88 runs. I think that's like top-level production from Verdugo. I think he's more 8 to 10 home runs, you know, maybe around 10 home runs. He hasn't stolen any bags. He's only, only attempted one. Maybe he's like 10 home runs, a couple of steals, solid runs and RBI, but I don't know. Best-case scenario, I think he's like top 150, like is his peak value. That's why I bumped him down pretty hard <laughs> this past update. I have him 255 now. Like, I just, I don't see it. Fenway is not a good fit for him. He's still here for the next few years. So it's not going anywhere unless we trade him. It's just not a good fit. Maybe he goes to a, a different ballpark with not a deep right field. Maybe he can get up to like, you know, 15 to 20 home runs. I still don't think he's ever more than 20 anywhere, even at Yankee Stadium. But yeah, this is not a very good fantasy profile. That's for sure. Moving out to Arizona, Kettle Marte. 
You know, he's he had that one really good year back in 2019. 329 average, 32 home runs, 92 RBI, 97 runs, and 10 steals. And since then, he still hit for, you know, hit 287 in 2020, 318 last year, but hasn't even sniffed that power that he showed. Hasn't even sniffed that stolen base total since then. He has seven steals combined the last three years in 197 games and 20 home runs. So, again, he's a guy that he's not bad, but just the, like the profile, I don't know. This is very underwhelming, Chris. Yeah, he's one that's tough. I mean, injuries have obviously plagued him some. Yep, that factors in for sure. He's seen a tick down in contact skills this year. It's bizarre because he does hit the ball hard, and he's always posted like high max EVs. He consistently over 90, average healthy launch angle too, but it's like the production just hasn't really come with it, which is interesting. And it's not like he's been plagued by bad Babbitt or anything he's still running a 316 Babbitt right now it's a weird profile and I think that we all are just hanging on to that 2019 season just yep, hoping exactly. that it comes back and at this point I'm not sure it does and he's not running much the power the home run power isn't there he's fixing he'll turn 29 at the end of this season so it's like I don't really see it anymore with with Marte even though some of the underlying metrics are there there's just too many inconsistencies for me to really want to to jump in and say like he's still a top 100 dynasty guy because I don't believe he is. I, maybe more in the 150 range, but I, I can't go top 100 on him at this point. Yeah, it's hard to do so. I see, where, where do I have him? Oh, man, I have him 73. I need to update that. I thought I totally meant to move him lower than that. But yeah, I, I don't have him top 100 anymore either. I'm going to move him out of my top 100 because – I think you said it very well, Chris. Everyone's kind of hanging on, on hope that he can return the 2019 levels, and I still don't think it's there. Maybe he can get back to like a 280 guy, you know, 15 to 20 home runs. Maybe throws in, you know, five to 10 steals or something like that. But again, that's good. But that's back end top 100 or so. So with all the injuries he's had as well, like that, that always factors in too. You got to stay on the field to produce. He's tw- he's almost 29 now, which is not old, but you know, he's not super young anymore. You know, he's getting close to 30. I just don't see like a huge turnaround from Kettle Marte. So yeah, another guy that I'm I'm fading a bit here in my rankings and should have dropped him down a bit more than I did, that's for sure. Last name, I saved the the most fun name for last. Cody Bellinger. All of the I, I want to hear from I want to hear from all you Bellinger truthers because there's a lot of them out there. Absolutely. He's one of the more controversial talking points on fantasy baseball Twitter, but he just has not been good. Like you look at, I'm, I'm pulling up his stats right now. Since the beginning of the 2020 seasons, obviously he had that huge year in 2019. But since the beginning of 2020, he has 845 plate appearances, 198, 276, 369 slash line, 280 Woba, 77 WRC plus. That's terrible. I put up a blind, you know, profile. You know, poll, and it was him and Kesson Huria since the beginning of 2020. I used their their stats since the last three years, and I pro rate and I did a one was it no a 600 plate appearance pace for their power speed. So the stats are actually like very close. It was very you know go back a few days ago to my profile. The stats were very very close, and about 56 57 percent picked Huria. And then I was like, hey, this is Huria and Bellinger. Everyone's like, oh my god. So this just shows you that I'm not saying take Huria over him, obviously, but Bellinger's not good. Yeah, he needs to give you a little bit of power speed. Maybe he's a 22 homer, 15 steel guy. Great, but he's hit 198 over the last 213 games. When are the excuses going to stop? He was, oh, yeah, he was hurt. Okay, yeah, that, that factors in a little bit. But that's not the 100% the reason why he sucked. It's like he's hitting like 240 over the last three years. He's hitting 198 with one of the worst Wobos in WRC Plus among qualified hitters over that time. He's not good. He's not top 100. He's not top one. Where do I have him now? I have him 158, and that's probably even too high. He's probably more near 200. He's just not that good anymore. So, I don't know. I'm rambling now. I, I love the ramble about Bellinger. I'll let you jump in now, Chris. Yeah, just everything's just really underwhelming. Too much swing and miss in the profile and not much else. I mean, yeah, he's capable of getting the power. We know he can, but he just – 
really hasn't. I mean, the OBP is still rolling well below 300 right now. The slug just eclipsed 400 or on the dot today after today's game. He did it a home run in today's game. It did boost his slug up to 400. You can even go further back than the 2020 season because he began a slump in 2019. I'll go back to, to August 1st, 2019, and he has a 209 batting average since. Sub 300 OBP and a 404 slug since then. It's just it's a bizarre profile. Everybody wants to buy in. It's like Kettle Marte. Like we hang on to these seasons and think that they can still be these guys. And we're hanging on to his MVP 2019 season, even though it was just like a really hot first half, really hot first two months. I was certain he hit 30 home runs within like the first two and a half months of 2019. And after that, it was, it was good, but it wasn't, wasn't great. So it's just, I don't know. I'm pretty out on him at this point. I don't even know where to slot him. For dynasty purposes, like we've seen the upside, but I don't think that's should be considered a ceiling anymore. The 2019 season, I'm not even close to that. Like I said, he's on like a, on a 2020 pace this year. Yeah, that's that's all fine and dandy, but the average is gonna kill you. The OB or even if you're in OBP leagues, he's under he's a 276 OBP. That's gonna kill you. And eventually, he's gonna lose time. Like eventually, he he's there are even the Dodgers won't put up with this. Like he if this continues in the next year like they got a lot of good hitting prospects coming up so he's gonna lose time eventually he, he'll be a part-time maybe a platoon bat eventually they're, they're not gonna continue to let a guy hit 200 or so in their lineup for a annual championship caliber team that's just not what the dodgers are gonna do so i got right now they've kind of been dinged up you know turner hasn't been great so they kept him in there but that's not gonna you know he's not gonna hit two, 213 every year and still be a start full-time starter five years from now. It's not going to happen. So, yeah, I'm 100% out on Bellinger. If you can still get a you know decent return, like a top 150 value for him, I would absolutely try to do that because like I, said, I don't see anything in the profile that's like, oh, yeah, he'll bounce back or a little bit here, a little bit there. No, the profile is just bad all the way around. Outside of, again, a little bit of a power speed blend here. So, I know, I'm out. But that's a good way to end the show here. Always fun to talk Bellinger. So, that's going to wrap us up for this episode. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I'm Eric Cross 04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at Fantrax HQ, Fantasy Pros, or over on our Patreon. And join us again next time from a fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care. <laughs> <laughs>